now we're going to uh, move into a time of hearing from the wonderful and fabulous Sarah Bowen. I've been looking forward to this since it popped into my emails that she was going to be speaking this morning. Uh, I'm absolutely buzzing to hear what she's got to share with us. Uh, it's going to be a time of uh, a reflection, um, a hearing what uh, God's been speak God's speaking to us about as a community. So uh, have your hearts open, have your Bibles ready, have your notebooks ready, because um, yeah, there's going to be some inspired words coming through this morning. So over to Sarah. Thanks, Alice. Yeah, like Alice said, um, I'm going to be sharing a more reflective style talk this morning, which I've called Included in the Father's Love. So a friend told me earlier this year about a practice of asking God for a scripture for the whole year. And I found that really helpful, really enjoyed doing that. And so the scripture that I've been sitting with this year is Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, which says, Come to me. All you are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So I've been really enjoying this scripture, and not surprisingly, I'm going to use a bit of this scripture this morning. Um, in the scripture, Jesus reveals who he is in his very own words. He says, I'm humble and gentle at heart. It's the only time in all the Gospels where Jesus reveals what his own heart is. He says right at the centre of who he is, he's humble and he's gentle. So is that how we picture Jesus? The writer A.W. Tozer says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So this morning, we're going to spend some time thinking about what we think God is like. It's going to be a reflective study, looking at the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as I'm going through this, I'd really like you to ask, God, is there anything new that you'd like to share with me this morning? And then as we look at each one of the Father, Son, and Spirit, I'm going to light a candle. And I'd like you to invite God to shine his light into your heart to see if there are any changes that you need to make about the way that you're thinking. So I'm going to light this candle. And get my gadget to work. And this is going to represent the Father. So as we know from Scripture, God clearly wants us to know him as father. He calls Israel his firstborn son. He talks about carrying his people as a father carries his son. And then in Psalm 103, he says, A father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those that fear him. Jesus also calls God his father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. When he teaches us to pray, he teaches us to pray, our Father. And then before his death, he tells his disciples, he's returning to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. So therefore, we can see that God, above all things, wants us to know him as Father. So we see in Scripture, there's this beautiful picture of the Trinity. It's a picture of the Father, the Son and the Spirit, overflowing with love for each other. The father kind of flows this extravagant love, which he lavishes on his son, and he shows him all that he does. And then the son responds in this overflowing love to the father, and he counts as a sheer joy and delight to do whatever the father asks him. And then we see the spirit 
who stirs up this delight of the Father and the Son and stirs up this delight of the Son and the Father. And so when John writes, God is love, he doesn't mean God is only love. What he means is that love is at right at the centre of God's heart. He is a loving God. So the nature of a father is to have children and to give life. And so we see creation coming from this overflowing, outpouring love of the father, overflowing out, wanting to, to create man, to join in this love that he pours out on the son. C.S. Lewis puts it absolutely beautifully, I think. He says, God who needs nothing loves into existence holy, superfluous creatures in order that he may love and perfect them. Loved into existence. Psalm 139 tells us that the Father being intimately involved in our creation too. It says, For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. This tells us that we're not just the result of a biological process, but the decision and the involvement of a loving Father God. And God's delight is seen again in a lovely passage in Zephaniah 3.17 that says, The Lord your God is with you. He's mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I love that. Rejoiced over with singing. It's like this beautiful maternal image of God singing over a newborn infant. So let's just dwell on this love of the Father just a little bit longer. And I'm going to read a passage from Isaiah 43. So this was written to Israel, God's chosen people, but it's also written over us. So let's hear this in a really personal way as I speak over us. I have called you by name, you're mine. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, you will not be overwhelmed. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour, because you are precious in my sight and honoured, and I love you. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. He already loves us as much as an infinite God can love us. And so no matter what our experiences of fatherhood, from our earthly fathers, whether it's been good or bad. We all need to be open to God to help shape our thoughts so it lines up with how God presents himself in scripture. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Exodus 34. I just love it. <laughs> this is where Moses asked to see God's glory. And so God hides Moses in the cleft of a rock and he causes his goodness to pass by. So Exodus 34, verse 5 and 6 says, Then the Lord came down in a cloud, and he stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, 
slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. So if you think about the glory of the Lord coming down, wouldn't you expect like thunder and lightnings and lots of noise and like lots of splendor? And yet God chooses that his goodness passes in front of Moses. It's not his might, not his splendor, not his majesty, but his goodness. God is showing us that his goodness is at the heart of who he is. And then he makes these declarations about himself. He says, I'm compassionate, I'm gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast covenant love. Do I think of God like that? How do you see Father God? So I'm going to try and light another candle to represent Jesus. Let's just spend a bit of time inviting Jesus to show us a bit more about himself. So as I've already read Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus presents himself as humble and gentle at heart. He's telling us who he really is, what defines him, what's right at the center of who he is. So humble or lowly, it's not aloof, it's not unapproachable, he's not standing off at a distance, not disinterested, not too holy to come near to us. He's not pointing a finger, accusing us of things, but he's gentle, so he's tender, welcoming, understanding, kind. So when we see Jesus in the Bible, we see him moved by compassion. He moves towards people. He moves towards the sick and he heals the sick. He's a friend of sinners and the lost. People feel comfortable around him. They're drawn to him. He feeds the hungry He's never distant, but he's there with people, eating with people, talking to people, weeping with people. He's not distant. He's right there at our side. So even though we may feel like we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he's there right with us, walking with us, bringing us comfort. So what qualifies us to experience this of Jesus? He says, just come to me. If you're burned with life, heavy laden with work, pressures, worries, he invites you to come in and to find that rest. It's like an open-armed invitation to come and experience the love of God. We don't have to work to deserve it. It's available to everybody. You've just got to desire it. So Hebrews 12 verse 2, I think, is the most incredible scripture about Jesus. It says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We know that the cross was like really agonizing, humiliating, horrendous way to die. And yet Jesus says, it's the joy set before him. Jesus wasn't bound against his will and dragged to crucifixion. It wasn't something he didn't choose. Nobody could take his life from him. John 10 verse 18 says, I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I received from the Father. Father. 
So the cross was a gift from Jesus. And it's through the cross that we really see the intensity and the strength of the love of God who delights to give himself for us. So what was that joy waiting for Jesus on the other side of the cross? It was so that we could share in that love that the Father is lavishing on the Son, that we could be included in that beautiful relationship of love, included forever. John Ortberg put it beautifully in his book, Love Beyond Reason. He says, in Christ, God is drawing all men to himself. God whispers on the cross, I wish you belonged to me. I choose you. Do I know that I'm chosen and loved by God? What's Jesus like when you think about him? So I'm just going to light this candle now to represent the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you want to show us today? So Romans 8 verse 16 says this, the Spirit testifies of our spirit that we're children of God. Testifies. The, Spirit's, the Spirit causes all we know about Christ to become an experienced reality inside of us. It causes us to feel God's heart for us. Moves us to experience all we've read and heard about Jesus the Father, it brings it alive to us. The Spirit breathes life. We know that we're children of God. We know that we're loved. Through the Spirit, we get this enjoyment of God. And the very presence of the Spirit in our lives brings us into this overflowing relationship of love. The Spirit doesn't come and then just leave us. We aren't just left as servants toiling away, trying to behave, struggling on our own. He's not like some moral policeman angrily waiting for our mistakes. He's not like some vapour just floating around. The Spirit comes, lives in our lives and helps our lives to blossom and grow. He opens up our eyes to see the glory and the beauty and the love and the kindness of God. And that stirs up in us to want to know more of Christ and make us want to become more like him. Through the Holy Spirit, we take hold of the promises of God in the Bible and we know that they're ours. We believe God. We know that we're sons. We know that we're heirs of everything that Jesus has won. And as we enjoy God, this love starts to overflow from our lives to the lives of those around us. We want to share that love. In Mike Reeves' book, The Good God, he says that the Spirit is not about bringing us into a mere external performance for Christ, but bringing us to love him and to find our joy in him. The Spirit's work is to set our desires in order. So through enjoying the Holy Spirit through Christ, we want to do what he wants and we hate the thought of ever grieving him. Father God, we, we just come to you as such an amazing, such an awesome, incredible God. How can we ever come to the bottom of experiencing your goodness and your love that lifts us out of the pit, that crowns us with glory and with life? 
Father God, we just pray that as we carry on worshipping, we experience more and more of your love, that we know that we know deep inside of us that we're called to be your children, that we're loved by you, God. Father God, fill us with your spirit again, fill us with that joy. Father God, amen.